0: Hello faithful listeners, this is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Thanks for being here, thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead.
1: A reading from Ezekiel. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is unfair. O house of Israel, are my ways unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. All of you according to your ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all of your transgressions. Otherwise, inequity will be your ruin. Cast away from you all of the transgressions that you have committed against me, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. Turn then and live. The word of the God. Lord.
0: A gospel reading from the 21st chapter of Matthew. When he entered the when he entered the temple, the chiefs, priests, and the elders of the people came to him as he, as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them. I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it human origin? and they argued with one another if we say from heaven he will say to us why then did you not believe him but if we say of human origin we are afraid of the crowd for all regard john as prophet so they answered jesus we do not know and he said to them
1: neither will i tell you by what authority i am doing these things the gospel of the lord, Praise
0: to you, lord. you may be seated Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. Some of you parents have come up to me and told me something that your kids have said about me. When they know they're going to see me, they'll say, yes, we're going to go see Jesus. If only I had that kind of authority. I think it's adorable. It's cute. It's cute. Uh, But to be honest with you, I hope that when kids see me that I am a reflection of Jesus because I know that when kids see you, you are a reflection of Jesus. Coming to church is our chance to truly show that. But it doesn't just happen here. It happens wherever we go. Now, seeing Jesus today is a lot different than it would have been seeing Jesus in the temple in those days before he was killed. You see, the authorities of Jesus, they didn't want to see him. They didn't understand how or where he was claiming his authority to speak on matters of God. Got me to thinking, who are some of the people who command our authority today? Maybe it's teachers police officers, even doctors. Yes, culturally, authority isn't necessarily automatic these days, but I can tell you, if one of my kids went to school and didn't respect the authority of their teacher, it would be problematic. The authority of faith leaders has a history of being complicated too. In fact, the authority of the chief priests is what is at stake just by the mere presence of Jesus' teaching in Matthew's gospel. And where we are in the story in Matthew's gospel is pretty significant. It matters in why Jesus is being treated the way that he is. You see, Matthew 21, it's towards the end of Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 21, Jesus has already just now arrived into Jerusalem, our Palm Sunday reading. He's shown up with a donkey and a colt. He's exhibiting this behavior of a Messiah. And what's the very first thing that Jesus does when he shows up to Jerusalem? Goes around and gives everybody a hug and says, oh, this is awesome, this is great. Nope, he shows up to the temple and starts flipping tables, calling it a den of robbers. That probably didn't go over so well with the leaders, did it? you're one of the leaders of the temple, do you want to see Jesus come back after he's done this? Nope. You don't. (laughs) They probably are like, hey, if you see that guy coming again, let us all know because we want to make sure to tell him to go away. So the next day he shows up again and he starts to teach. And there are two questions that he is asked. And it's not out of idle curiosity, it's not like Nicodemus showing up to ask Jesus some questions in the middle of the night. Those days are long gone. And so when Jesus entered the temple, notice that it's not just one guy here. The chief priests and the elders of the people show up. They came to him as he's teaching and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Read between the lines here. Who does have the authority to teach inside the, inside the temple? They do. <laughs> Who gave them that authority? Well, probably their boss, the high priest. You probably know the name Caiaphas. He's the one that they're going to go to right at the end, right before the Passover, to be like Caiaphas. All the things we're doing aren't working. It's time to get rid of Jesus. Let's get him arrested. And so does Jesus tell them who provided this authority to teach? He doesn't say, yeah, Caiaphas gave me the green light. In fact, he doesn't tell them. Instead, he asks them a question. Does John's baptism come from heaven or from human origin? I'm a bit surprised that one of the chief priests or elders doesn't just like blurt out an answer right there, but they don't. Instead, they kind of huddle up there and they're like, well, we realize this is a trap, so how are we going to answer this question? And so they start to negotiate, and they know that they're stuck, so they can't say heaven because if they say heaven, they're conceding that you know, God sent John and you know, Herod just beheaded John, so they don't want to say that. And if they say human origin, the crowd's going to start booing them because you know, they regard John as a prophet. And so they fall back on the answer of, we don't know. So Jesus doesn't answer either. But then guess what happens? Is Jesus intimidated? Does Jesus leave? Does he back down? Does he say, well, I guess I need to go to Caiaphas and get that authority? No. He teaches. He talks. Like, way longer than I'm about to. Like, talks and talks and shares all of these parables, these really deep, difficult parables often the subject of these parables is the exact audience, these chief priests and Pharisees and Sadducees. And he's able to talk to them in ways that threaten them. And he continues to do this through the rest of Matthew 21. And so in Matthew 22, they send in the Pharisees and then the Sadducees. And he keeps answering all their questions with authority to the point that they don't have any more questions that they can ask him. By Matthew 23, while he's still talking, we're still in this same setting, he now has everybody's attention when he says this. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. Listen to this. The things that they're teaching you, do that. The scribes and Pharisees, what they are teaching you, this is good. Listen to them. But it's Jesus. You know there's always a but, right? But... Do not do as they do. Whoa. For they do not practice what they teach. We often hear, do not practice what you preach. That's exactly what is going on here. Jesus then spends the next 35 verses ripping them, the Pharisees, the scribes, for not practicing what they preach, for hypocritical behavior, Everything they do is about looking good and they say to do one thing but then in private they're selfish and they neglect others. Great guys, you've got the authority but what are you doing with it? Why are you ignoring the people right here who are hurting or suffering? Why are you judging and condemning others when your own hearts are filled with feelings that need to be reconciled? It's A critique that is still present today when people speak of churches makes me wonder what's going on. Why are fewer people participating in the greater church than in the past? What might be going on culturally that is affecting this? It's no coincidence that our first brood theology today, this session of adult education, is on a topic called nuns and duns, right? This is a topic that might be on our minds It's about people in our lives who have said, church isn't for me. And I can tell you through my experience of what has happened, of why. I've had plenty of conversations with nuns and duns in my life. Some before I was a pastor, some as a pastor. I get to thinking about one of the duns in my life, and and I'm going to call her Gladys for the sake of this story. Gladys used to love coming to church She used to volunteer for everything. If there was like, if we were in a pinch and I'm like, hey, someone needs to be able to help with this thing with the kids, I would not have been surprised to to see her show up to do it. I learned recently that she stopped going to church. And then I actually ran into her and I asked her why. And she told me, look, my church lost its way. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And it was heartbreaking for me. It was heartbreaking to hear it because I knew how much church meant to her, and I knew how much of a loss this was to her. And I know she's not alone. Perhaps we can all think of people in our lives who aren't connected, not the way that they used to be. There might be a desire to say, well, those people who are the nuns and duns, we, we need to get them back into church because we need the church to grow. Yet I want to challenge us into thinking about why we might be here at church in the first place. You see, I don't come to church every Sunday because I can't wait to see if institutions are going to grow to prove that God exists. No, I come to church every Sunday because I know about the power of relationship. I come to church because I know about the transformational power of the Holy Spirit how it can change my entire outlook on the day just by confessing my sins at the beginning of worship service and be like, wow, I really am forgiven. Maybe I should forgive others. Wait, wait, I do need to forgive others. I come to church because I get to see the waters of baptism over Ember today and how she is surrounded by the love of her parents, but also by a great cloud of witnesses that you're walking alongside her too. I come to church because I know that because those kids handed out those handprints today with a shopping list, and even if you didn't get one, you're going to go shopping and you're going to think about that. Because I know you, Faith Lutheran, when you're asked, you respond. And you respond with abundance because you know it's going to help. You see, knowing God, it's important. But we should also strive to help others know God Doing the will of God is how we are the body of Christ, and it's by how we model that relationship to others. God moments don't just happen here in the sanctuary. They're happening all throughout our day, all throughout our week. God is out there already. How we respond to the needs of others and how we model our faith matters. We're called to live differently. Like, think about that. We're called to live Christians in what we do. That doesn't mean that we just say, well, hey, I went to church, check that off the list. We're called to be Christians. We have the authority given to us by Jesus to be Christians in this world, to love one another, to listen to those who feel pain, those who are maybe feeling distanced from the church. We've got to stop assigning blame to cultural shifts and changes in society. And remember that the Holy Spirit is very much present, still moving. Our job isn't to correct everybody else because their beliefs are wrong. Our role is to be the church for each other. I'm going to give you this thought from Brene Brown to maybe simmer with this week. Brene Brown, this noted author who often talks of our vulnerability in the world, said this. She said, I went to church thinking it would be like an epidural. It could just take the pain away. But church isn't like an epidural. It's like a midwife. I thought faith would say, I'll take away the pain and discomfort. But what the church ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. We can do this. We can help, care, encourage, provide. We can pray. We can sit with someone. We can listen. And most importantly, when all else fails, we can love. That's what it means to practice what we preach. And Jesus Christ gave us the authority to do that today. Amen.